This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, this is WrestleMania! Welcome to WrestleMania 19! The Rock is here for one reason and one reason only. And that is to fulfill his destiny. Fulfill my destiny. And that's his beat, Stone Cold Steve Austin, right in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania. One, two, three. This is the holy grail. The one thing that The Rock has ever done. The one thing I've never done. It consumes me. It eats me alive. Coach, this night, the biggest night of my life. This is everything to The Rock. Everything. Not the third time. The third time to charm. Big one. And with that, welcome in to WrestleMania Rewind here on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, the podcast network, I guess you could call it that. Sure. Phil Mackie, Declan Goff, and we are making our way through a ton of WrestleManias in order. We are up to WrestleMania 19, March 30th, 2003 at Safeco Field in Seattle, Washington, in front of an announced crowd of 54,097, Declan Goff. And I would say, so this is the first time I've ever watched this WrestleMania. Oh, okay. Because I missed 18, 19, 20, and 21. I was away from wrestling at that time. And there's just a lot of meat on the bone to go back to. So this is the first time I uh, I ever watched this WrestleMania. And I will say, it's really good. It is. It's solid. It's very, very solid. I mean, there are, at the, they, they, they finish up the card here. Let me pull this open here. The card finishes up. With several matches over 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you had actually 18. So your last five matches, Shawn Michaels, Jericho, 22 minutes. Triple H, Booker T, 18 minutes. Hogan and McMahon, Street Fight, 20 minutes. Rock Stone Cold, 3, 17 minutes. And Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, 21 minutes. So they just cleared out for these five epic matches. Pretty much all these guys are just straight up like Hall of Famer, like Mount Rushmore candidates. The yeah. last five matches, just ridiculous firepower. And uh and that doesn't even count the Undertaker in one of his like least memorable yeah. matches of all time. Yeah. Against the if it was just against the big show, I think it would have been more memorable. Totally would have. But like why is A Train involved? And then in this? And ridiculous. What, this weird Nathan Jones character, like yeah. one of the one of the untalked about flops of Mr. McMahon, just like, oh, this is gonna work, you know? And yeah. and you never have heard of this guy. 
I feel like Mr. McMahon ruined part of on, uh, part of Undertaker's legacy throughout the 90s and 2000s by pitting him up against like Giant Gonzalez right. and then Ricky uh, Snuka, Superfly Snuka 10 years after his prime and then this Nathan Jones partnership and like just put him up against the big show and it, see what happens. It definitely seems to and after watching the, the last ride doc that he did last month it definitely seems like Undertaker is a very much a yes company man. Like oh, it, it, oh yeah and, all and, timer. And is and like Good for you if, if that's who you are and if that's how you want to make your living. I don't, I don't really fault anyone living by that. But it, it's so funny because he's the dead man, right? He has this aura, and he has this aura that's almost larger than his character. So for him to be, like, essentially a corporate yes man is kind of, like, comical because it's yeah. like, wait a minute. I thought you were, you know, you, you had souls, and, and you're the purveyor of darkness and the creatures of the night. You lead all these people. But really, behind the scenes, whatever Vince tells you to do, you do it with a smile and, and a nod. Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah, he and like the, those guys have a weird bromance. Undertaker and Vince McMahon, almost like maybe uh, they had a couple drinks one time. And <laughs> things went too far. Yeah, experiment a little bit. But uh, I'm going to read. Actually, we usually save uh, our our buddy Michael McGivern, who's a, a listener of the show, just sends in like a huge notes dump every week. We do this, and it's awesome. And usually we save that for toward the end. I'm actually going to start just to put into context WrestleMania 19, 2003, with some notes from him. WWE in 2003 was in an in between phase. With top acts from previous eras still main eventing, all the guys that we just mentioned. And uh, you also had like John Cena making his debut in the pre show, Brock Lesnar main eventing in his first ever WrestleMania. You also had Evolution sort of taking form in early 2003, Randy Orton and Dave Batista. Originally, the show was going to be headlined by The Rock and Goldberg. When negotiations to bring in Goldberg hit a bump in the road in February, it was changed to Rock Austin 3 at Steve Austin's request. Austin had been away for months after he walked out on the company in June 2002, refusing to lose to Brock Lesnar in a Raw main event. He was correct in that he had no issue losing to Lesnar. Let's see. He was correct in that he had no issue losing to Lesnar. It's just uh, it's a WrestleMania caliber main event, and to give it away like that on cable with no hype was insanity. And so that's why Stone Cold was not happy. Around the same time, he was charged with battery of his wife, Deborah McMichael, which led to their divorce. And uh, with bad publicity and Austin no-showing television, Vince McMahon dropped Austin from the active roster in 2002. Austin returned at No Way Out in February, and the idea for his return match was with Triple H. But Austin knew he was physically and mentally shot. To give you an idea of how broken down he was, he spent the night before Mania in a Seattle hospital. And the visit was related to stress and anxiety with doctors not wanting him to wrestle. After his major neck injury in August 1997, he knew he was wrestling on borrowed time and he knew time was up. The Rock was off to shoot the remake for Walk Tall in June, so it worked out perfectly to get him in a big event at WrestleMania, lose to Goldberg at the next pay-per-view, put him over strong, and uh, get the latest shiny toy from WCW, a title feud with Triple H going. So that was kind of your setup to The Rock, Austin. Let's start with that. Well, let's just, what was your favorite thing about this WrestleMania? I, I love the depth on the card. So, like, yes, the I think the highlight match, obviously, is Rock, Austin, B3, but... The depth of all these matches is pretty good. Usually what we have found in a lot of these is you have obviously like two marquee matches and then like just two hours worth of worthless crap that like you, you have to kind yeah. of sit through. And I don't really have that. I mean, even like the top of the card, yeah, it's a little weak. You know, you got Matt Hardy and Rey Mysterio, but that's Mysterio's the guys. Yeah, so a couple of legit dudes. Yeah, the Undertaker match is probably one of the more forgettable of the streak, but it is still the Undertaker, so you still have the aura. And and the tag team titles you you had Stephen McMahon rebrand a couple tag team titles as SmackDown after the brand split so there was another blip up 
of tag teams that worked out really well. I know we were talked about two manias ago that Hardy Boys, Dudley Boys, Edge and Christian, yeah, that's the peak of tag team wrestling. But there was still, I think, a, a steady string here from 03 to 05 where you had guys like Team Angle and Los Guerreros who were still doing pretty well. Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero teamed up down the road. So, like, there was still legitimate legitimacy to the tag team. So even that was cool. But for me, like, my favorite match and everything that I, I had never, I'd never seen this, I think, from start to finish, but it was Jericho and HBK. Like, that was a clinic of wrestling. And HBK is obviously yeah. my all-time favorite, but both those dudes literally went all out. And again, I, I, I always kind of sell short Jericho's wrestling ability. Like I know how great he is on the mic and how great is at transforming his career, but his wrestling ability is probably easily the most underrated part of him. Yeah, there, dude, there are some workers on this card. I mean, Brock Lesnar could work back in the day. Now he's just kind of become a mauler, but well, we'll get to the shooting star press, but like that dude could work. Kurt Angle, this was kind of, this was no longer peak Kurt Angle because he had major neck issues and went off for surgery. But Shawn Michaels, all-time great worker. Rey Mysterio, all-time great worker. Triple H, all-time great worker. Just kind of in a different brawling way. Yep. So super fun to watch just all these guys. And and to that match, Shawn Michaels and Jericho, this was Shawn Michaels' first WrestleMania in five years. This was his first WrestleMania appearance since losing the title to Stone Cold to really jumpstart the Attitude Era. And uh, I love the, did you remember the way that they actually revisited the Michaels Jericho feud a few years later where Jericho came back with short hair? That's right. Yes. And I do. Michaels, like the storyline was that Michaels was down on his luck and like his family was being split apart and yeah. like he lost all of his money or something. Yes. With JBL, and so I remember he, this. And he was like working for Chris Jericho or something. Yeah. And I think one of those parts was Jericho bashed Michaels face into one of the TV screens during Jericho's talk show. Yeah. And it was it was like bloody, like, but that feud was great. Yeah, and um, and so this was like you know, Michaels had come back earlier in two thousand two, just to sort of rewind. So two thousand two, the biggest storyline of like the summer and SummerSlam, and then into the back part of two thousand two before this WrestleMania was the Triple H Michaels feud, mm-hmm. and that's actually one of my bigger regrets on behalf of that era is that they didn't blow that feud off at WrestleMania in some way. A Triple H Michaels WrestleMania match would have been epic. Yes. But they had to sort of for you know for whatever reason they decided to start that feud cuz I think their entry point for Michaels coming back to the ring was like well he has to face Triple H. Like he has to he has to like reconnect the DX puzzle and then you know sort of go from there. And so they wrestled a street fight at SummerSlam in 2002 like a half hour street fight that Michaels won. Yep. And then I believe it was Michaels winning the title in the Elimination Chamber at Survivor Series Correct. later that year. And then he lost the title back to Triple H in a three stages of hell match yeah. in like December or January or something. Right. right. Afterwards. And that was kind of the, the end of that feud into the Chris Jericho stuff. Yeah, th- this was basically two years of Triple H being on top of the Raw brand. I mean, he, he, uh, he loses it to Michaels for a month. He lost it to Goldberg, who debuts right after WrestleMania 19 for a little bit. But for like better part of the next twenty four months, Triple H is your world heavyweight champion, yep. and he's sitting on top of Evolution. It's like really the peak. Triple H really started becoming popular with DX in nineteen ninety seven, and this was like six year culmination of, yeah. of Triple H. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to this in some of the notes, but Triple H, one of the big, just to get to that match real quick, Triple H and Booker T, yep, for the title, and Ric Flair by Triple H's side. So the the biggest controversy there was the promo that Triple H cut several weeks before WrestleMania on Booker T and the framework of the promo was supposed to be like, 
as they say it, hey, you may have won some WCW championships, but this is the big leagues, and yeah. you're coming in here. Guys like you don't get to this level. And, but, but like the undertone was very racist. It was people like you belong as the entertainer. You're the, you're the, you're the dancing buffoon kind of a thing. They use his jail record against him like it was. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> the tones are very set. Super racist <laughs> and like, would not fly now. Probably shouldn't have flown in 2003. Right. But that was kind of a weird, clunky feud in that, again, like Triple H, like Booker T's a great performer, but there really wasn't like a big backstory there other than no. WCW versus WWE. And so with all the different names on the roster, could there have been a better WrestleMania match for Triple H? Probably. Probably. You know, I, I, when I was watching it, first off, I forgot that it was Booker T against Triple H. It's like, man, who does? I know it was Angle and Lesnar, but I was like, who challenges World Heavyweight Championship? And yeah, I don't like to look at the results before I go into it for the most part. And then I remember it was Booker T, and I kind of realized, too, because I was, I was a big Booker fan in WCW, then the WWE, and I can say that after watching this match, too, he is easily the most underappreciated, underutilized talent from the WCW transition. If you think yeah. of all of those guys, like Goldberg and Sting were obviously you know up the top there, Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, but they're a little bit recycled, but like homegrown WCW talent, Booker T, I think, was the most athletic and... He didn't get his championship shot until he was King Booker. He like reinvented himself, and to me, that was way too gimmicky. I despised the King Booker. It was very, it was yeah, it was like it was like too forced and quirky, it, and and it just it didn't seem like Booker T. Like Booker T is, do you see his persona right there? Like yeah. when he's in the ring in the early two thousands, and I think they really kind of similar to Rob Van Dam. They just like wasted an unbelievable talent from another brand. Yeah, shocking, shocking. Yeah, that yeah. WWE would right. would try. That's kind of like a Vince McMahon staple, which is we're gonna bring you in. But we're gonna we're gonna turn you into our own thing. I mean, Dusty Rhodes is the all time example. Where Dusty Rhodes was the American dream and this salt of the earth blue collar guy in the NWA for ten years and a champion. And they bring him into WWF in the eighties and put a polka dot tights on him and have him be this like just like this weird over the top character. And, and it's strange too that like after AJ Styles got into the fold and like five years ago, four or five years ago, after his amazing run in TNA, like AJ Styles is still really good, but it still felt like man. You should have like been after this dude ten years ago. Yeah, God, can you actually? Can you imagine? Like, this is about the time that AJ Styles started really getting into his own. Like, two thousand three is when he really started becoming one of the better wrestlers in the world. With because TNA was a thing in two thousand three. Yeah, it was just kind of an upstart. So, um, all right, my favorite thing. Let's just get right to it. Was the Stone Cold Rock stuff? Mm-hmm. It was nostalgic. We'll play a couple clips here, but the the end of it, like The Rock was legit emotional. Stone yeah. Cold was legit emotional and just burnt out and spent. And you could tell he just kind of knew it was the end as he went and did the the double birds to the crowd yeah. at every angle. But um, but this really marked the end of the greatest six year run in wrestling history for me, mm-hmm. ratings wise, revenue wise, popularity, peak superstars. And and there's all kinds of other figures in here. Like Undertaker was a huge part of that six year run, and obviously uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H and like NWO and Hogan, you know, to create the Monday Night Wars. But to me, when I think about that era of wrestling, 1997 to 2003, the two guys that are at the top of that list that really drove the popularity and the, the mainstream popularity were The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hundred percent. And for those guys, like normally you think, geez, those guys are wrestling for a third time at WrestleMania, but the storyline made sense. The Rock had never beat Stone Cold at WrestleMania, and it's two guys sort of solidifying the end of an era. 
And the match was great. It was. It was really good. Like Stone Cold couldn't even really work at that point, but no. he but he busted out all the old classics, the brawling style. The Rock, that's about as lean as you'll see The Rock. Yeah. He's like in, I think Hollywood told him, like, all right, you're in The Tooth Fairy and you're in some of these other movies. Like, like you can definitely, like, look strong, but we can't have you looking like like he does now, which right. is funny because, like, it is hilarious. the way he looks now is why he's making $50 million a year making movies. But um, th- this was some of the back and forth toward the end. This is a JR. Oh, by the way, you pointed out Jerry Lawler was rocking the great outfit for this yeah. WrestleMania. Jacket, no shirt. Oh, no shirt. Beautiful. From the king. Beautiful. Not the third time. The third time to charge. Big one. Oh, third rock bottom. A third rock bottom. The hook of the leg. And a History has been made. It took three rock bottoms. But the rock has finally broken the jigs for three rock bottoms the rock has defeated stone cold steve austin at wrestlemania okay how did you feel about that being the end of stone cold's career i really liked it because going into the match i was trying to figure out like man is this necessary kind of like we were talking about like all right this is the third time you have one superstar who's leaving the company for bigger and better things you have another one who's essentially retiring um and is this even going to be worth it? Like, are we just dragging this out? Is this like another forced Undertaker late WrestleMania situation where it's like, man, the mat, like this would have been cool five years ago, but now it's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And it, I was dead wrong. Like you still had two dudes that were obviously still in their primes and could still wrestle a little bit. And both of them turned out a phenomenal match. And I love that it was similar to what they did the years before where it was, the Rock getting a Stone Cold stunner on on Steve Austin and Steve Austin going for a rock bottom on The Rock, like stealing each other's moves, getting that pop from the crowd. And both of them did an amazing job. I like the promo, too, that was cut before it. You had, yeah, you had Rock who had never been able to do this before and Stone Cold Steve Austin knowing that, all right, this is my last hoorah. I'm probably never going to really get back into the ring again like this full time. How how do I want to go off in the best way possible, even if I lose? And he went off perfectly. Yeah, you saw it in both their eyes, especially Stone Cold leaving the ring, taking his time, and, yeah, doing the double bird to the crowd. I was thoroughly impressed because, yeah, going into it, I thought I didn't think I would enjoy it. I really didn't. I thought it would be kind of a laughable match, and I was dead wrong. It was a phenomenal match. Dude, it was. Those guys know, like, the psychology. Stone Cold knows how to sell things. And just, like, the teasing with the other the other guys move. Just awesome stuff. Um, I love that Stone Cold, quote-unquote, did the job on his way out, you know, losing to someone to put them over on the way out. Right. And 
That's the thing about The Undertaker is that like he did that to with Brock, but then he kept wrestling because he just felt like he he wanted more and he didn't he didn't like didn't like remember the end of that match because he was concussed the whole time. He just like didn't feel like that was the end for him. And so I don't know. I don't know if I believe that The Undertaker is officially retired. I still think there's an AJ Styles match in there somewhere and yeah, then he'll probably. put AJ over. But I, I it is interesting in that when this match took place, Stone Cold was not even 40 years old yet, but just had so many miles on his body. I mean, um, The Rock was, I think, because I think The Rock is like 49. Let me look that up real quick. I don't think The Rock is 50 yet. Let's see, The Rock. This is very, this is very important to the He's next 48. point I'm going to make. Okay, so, years old. so he was in his early 30s, The Rock, mm-hmm. when this match took place. So it made sense for the broken down veteran Stone Cold, who at the time was like 38 going on 50 with his body, to put over the young superstar that was definitely like, you know, obsessed with Hollywood and wanting that lifestyle. But there was no reason to think that he would just be like out of wrestling forever for the next 17 years, basically, with the exception of a couple comebacks. Right. So so to put him over, he finally gets his win over Stone Cold and gets this elevation. But like that was kind of the end for The Rock. So The Rock wrestled Goldberg, lost a month later, went away for a long time, came back, wrestled the next WrestleMania, WrestleMania 20, in a tag team, I believe, with Mick Foley. Yeah. Rock and Sock Connection. But... That was it until he came back and fought John Cena like seven or eight years later. Mm-hmm. So who would have thought that that would also have been, I mean, it was kind of percolating, but for that to be the end of The Rock too is very interesting. Yeah, I feel like too, the fans, they didn't turn on The Rock, but like... They, I no, think they did. It's fair to say that. They, they they booed his ass the whole year before that match took place. They knew that he was leaving. Like they weren't booing, like they booed John Cena because it was just stale and lame and old. Yeah. Like they booed The Rocks. they knew like, you're leaving us. Like you are leaving us for bigger and better things and that's... And that sucks. Like yeah. I, it was, it was a different kind of hatred, a different kind of disdain, I should say, from the audience, where that they they knew The Rock was going to be a movie star and not come back and be the Rock, the the guy from that he was in 1999 until this point. Yeah. So here's my biggest question to you off this match: Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is this was his last match. I don't think anyone. I think people knew that he had you know burned himself out and was hurt and had the you know the, obviously the neck surgery put on borrowed time, um, but. I think people always kind of figured, well, he's done for now, but he'll come back at some point. And there's been some teases to that and some reports that they maybe had some initial discussions. But to this point, 17 years later, he has not wrestled a match. That was his last match. He's 55 years old. He's in great shape. If you've ever seen like any, he does, he does TV and he's got a podcast and he's just constantly talking about working out and he doesn't drink as many beers. He'll talk about that. Um, He's in great shape. And he's always kind of said, I've got another match in me, but, you know, just like the right situation hasn't presented itself. What would it take in your, A, would you want to see him wrestle another match at age 55 or 56? And B, what would it take? Who would it be? I would love to see him go one more time. For I would sure too. I would. I For sure I would like to see him go one more time. I don't think I look at this as like, I can't never see him get wrestle again. Dude, what if his freaking music hit in the Royal Rumble? Right. I Could mean, you and, imagine the pop? And that's oh, uh, and those God. are the best is when people come back at the rumble. I mean, when Edge came back this last, like no one saw yeah. Edge coming back. Like everyone thought he was for sure done. His neck was yeah. been broken twice. Like there's no way he's coming back. And he comes back and gets the biggest pop. And that's you remember. That's what I remember most about that Royal Rumble, not Drew McIntyre winning yeah. or Brock Lesnar eliminating 17 people from the gate. Dude, remember Edge coming back and spearing everyone. If so, and it's I didn't watch that live. I just saw it playing out on social, so I do regret that. 
the like the most I've ever gotten chills and just oh my god is when The Rock came back to host WrestleMania. Yeah, and he had not been on WWE TV for seven years. Like he had done some pre-recorded stuff and whatnot, but he had never been in an arena on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown in seven years. And uh, what's his name? The old ring announcer guy who's with AEW now. Oh, not Josh. Um, I know who you're talking about. Can't remember his name. Yeah, Todd Gr- or not not Todd Grisham. I don't know. So whatever. Uh, the the, the guy, announcer guy from eight years guy. ago. Yep. And and he gets in the ring and you know whatever the your guest host for WrestleMania is, and then the lights shut off and it's like thirty seconds I, of suspense. Yeah. If you smell, dude, I popped off my couch <laughs> through the freaking roof. And I was alone, just like, oh my god. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if if I'm watching the Royal Rumble, and uh, and wow, number thirty, like, who could it, like, who yeah. is it? Yeah. All the all the names have come out, and all of a sudden the glass breaks. I I would cry. <laughs> I would cry if that happened. It would be so much fun. And I'm just trying to think, like, has the WWE built up somebody? Because he'd obviously oh. be a he'd be a baby face. Who is the heel? That could go with him, help him look good. He's got a style. Like when Edge came back, it was like, whoa, dude. Like his style is not ground and pound. Like there's a certain high speed nature to his mm-hmm. style. And so Edge coming back is kind of like, how can you replicate it? I don't know. Like if Shawn Michaels were to come back again, like could you replicate it? Stone Cold could replicate it at 56. Yeah, so he's not a high flyer. Yeah. And his, his, his move set is very replaceable. Like it, it's the yeah, stop the mud st- hole. Stop a mud hole, do the elbow thing. And a stunner. Do the yeah, do a stunner yeah, and then do it. the Luthez press. Right. That's and then all just like punch do. and slam people into posts and stuff. I think the guy, like, I, it'd be really cool to possibly see him go with the Fiend. Oh, dude. That would be oh, neat. My God. That'd be neat just because I think, oh. also I think Bray Wyatt is just like so under, still underappreciated so and underutilized. And yeah. he's so good. Um, he's done a great job too of changing from you know Bray Wyatt into the Fiend, and I love all that. Actually, so I, I could a, see that. I got another one for you, John Cena. Those two never really tangled because mm-hmm. John Cena came in in like 2002. Right. I mean, they've been I'm, they've been a part of segments together. It depends on which way you want to go. You want to go era versus era, which would be huge, or do you want to go Stone Cold versus like? Somebody that you want to put over and send to the next level, which I would argue that Bray Wyatt deserves that. What I would be very terrified of them doing is once, and he just came back at SummerSlam as Roman Reigns. Like, yeah, I, I, and, and you know what? I, I, I do think that people are starting to gravitate more towards Roman Reigns. Like, they, they tried to, for the lack of a better word, shove it down our throat for five years in this mid-decade of yeah. Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns. And you could tell that the fans just hated it. It, doesn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to work. And now I think he's in better gracious with the fans. He he won't get to where the company wants him to be. But that'd be one I I don't want to see happen. I don't want to see them use Stone Cold to get Roman Reigns over again. But I mean, like Drew McIntyre's good, but I think that that like Drew McIntyre's a giant, and God bless Stone Cold, but he's just stocky and little guy. I don't think that would work very well. I would say the Fiend, John Cena could work. I don't see Randy Orton working because that that gimmick is again I well overplayed. AJ Styles. Styles maybe Styles could work because yeah because then you had because you had Styles not come into the fold till like five years ago. Dude, he's in his mid forties too. He's he's and older he can, than people think, and he can still do it. So yeah, I I would say Styles, the Fiend, and then John Cena, someone like that who you never got to see both of them together. Man, he's so much fun. Dude. That'd be insane. Oh, now now I'm counting down the days to Royal Rumble to to. 
or a, a just, special just, entrance. Just imagine for you, Declan, and for you guys listening out there. Just if you're a Stone Cold fan and you haven't seen him, and he, he's he's come, you know, he does like once a year. He'll come and do a beer bath and stun some people. But right. So so the music hitting would have to be in a situation where you don't expect his music to hit because you kind of expect it like, oh, it's a Monday Night Raw reunion. Like, yeah, Stone Cold comes back. Yep. If it's the thirtieth entrant in the Royal Rumble and that freaking glass breaks, oh, You're, and the the crappy part is is they'd have. I think it'd be really dumb if it wouldn't be as fun if if they weren't able to do it without the fans. Like with this whole oh, 100%. Thunder, like yep. you couldn't do it in the Thunderdome. No, it's it got to be work. full arena. It has to be full nonstop. Like, and I don't think they'd waste that bullet with no fans. No. I think they'd be pretty smart at that. But no. yeah, definitely something. Definitely something to think of. It'd be yeah. freaking awesome, man. Hogan versus McMahon in a street fight. This was great too. Yeah, this was. I mean, you. It was surprisingly really well. Both guys get busted open. The Spanish announcer guy gets busted the open. Chair shot. I was, wrote that down. Was in that my, a hard way, dude? It looked like. It, or did he cut himself? I think it was a legit blood because because <laughs> McMahon and like what was the plan there? Was he like I'm gonna get Hubert? I think Hubert uh, Carlos Herrera. I'm going to smack him in the head with the chair. And like, I had to rewind and be like, holy bleep, that dude just took a legit chair shot. I couldn't tell if that was just like part of the spectacle and that it was all planned or if he just got conked in the head and hit the hard way and then dragged his ass Or if knowing McMahon, he was like, I'm going to duck and just hit the span and not tell him. I could see that also happening (laughs) too. too. God. Man. Or or telling Hogan like, oh yeah, he totally knows it's coming. I'm just going to stand right next to him. He doesn't know it's coming. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, Roddy Piper interferes in this match (laughs) and ultimately Hulk Hogan Gets his comeuppance on Vince McMahon. I didn't love Vince McMahon dominating this match. Like, yeah. Vince McMahon controlled this match, which just seemed kind of unrealistic. Like, I know that Hogan's a little bit older and stuff, and Vince is all jacked up. But, dude, like, you're not a wrestler. Mm-hmm. You're not going to dominate one of the best wrestlers of all time. So that didn't make a whole lot of sense. It felt like a lot of Vince ego there trying to prove, like, yes, I'm a, yeah, and I'm it, a badass. The steroid-infused Vince with just his insane muscles. Like, I'm surprised Vince McMahon has not, like, um, maybe he has torn a bicep or two. I'm sure he has with all the yeah. it, PEDs. But that dude is like the prototypical reason of like, you can look like this, and then if you take PEDs, you can look like yeah. that. Like, it is terrifying how big he is at 65. Like the Hogan test of strength. That was a staple in Hogan matches for years. Right. And he's overtaking the ultimate bleeping warrior in his prime and the test of strength. And like, and now Vince McMahon's got him on his knees like that. That was the only thing about that match that didn't make a ton of sense. You are right, though. It definitely was a lot better than I thought, because I was like, ah, oh, this is just going to be a, a thud. But no, I was thoroughly entertained for the majority of the yeah. match. And then, is there anything else on that match other than just like, oh, it's great. That was that was basically Hulk Hogan's last WrestleMania yeah, match. Yeah, a lot of so. good blood, and just a good good little McMahon match there. I think it worked out really well. Yeah, You know, the McMahons, when they're involved in matches, it's actually pretty entertaining. The the one that's not WrestleMania, it's, it's a different pay-per-view, but the Shane McMahon-Kurt Angle oh, yeah. street fight, where... They they picked the wrong pane of glass to throw Shane through. There was one that was gimmicked, and then there was one that was real. Yeah, and and they're both like concussed and hurt and stuff. I think that was actually in late two thousand two or two thousand one. Yeah, it was before this. And uh, yeah, that was a uh, oh, yeah. I remember. Uh, I think I think it was technically an ambulance match too. I don't know if it was a. Street, it may have been a street fight, but I know those two had a feud. But I yeah. I know the one you're talking about where he gets thrown through. It might have been Judgment Day or Unforgiven. I think it wasn't an ambulance match because ambulance match you put your opponent in the back and you shut it for the win. Yeah, this match ended. Kurt Angle had like screwed up his back big time in this match, and he couldn't carry Shane, lifeless body, concussed Shane from the entrance where they had fought down to the ring to pin him and so he found one of those like boxes of cords those yeah. little like production boxes and he draped Shane over it and just rolled it down to the ring and then <laughs> pinned him that way god so um speaking of Kurt Angle 
this was, I don't know if I would say peak Kurt Angle, but it was like Kurt Angle got the run that he deserved from like 2000 through 2003. And this was, you know, main eventing WrestleMania, Kurt Angle. And this was Brock Lesnar's first ever WrestleMania, also main eventing it. Brock also with the rare good guy appearance at WrestleMania or a big pay-per-view. He's always been a heel almost every step of the way, except for like a six-month run from late 02 into 03. Right. And when when Paul Heyman turned on him, what did you think of this match overall? It was pretty decent. Um, I liked it. I, I, I feel like uh, it could have had a lot more build-up to it. Like even the promo before of like basically Kurt Angle playing possum, like trying to sneak away from Brock Lesnar. It just felt a little strange. But the match itself, I thought, was very good. I mean, you had, you had Angle on essentially a half a neck because he was about to leave to go have neck surgery. Yeah, you could tell he was walking and, very gingerly. Yeah, every, every, I noticed that too. Every suplex, every angle slam, you could tell he was like, oh, my God, my, my neck. Yeah. Um, but I think in general, the match delivered. Like, is it the most iconic main event of WrestleMania? No, but it, it definitely delivered. It's actually most known for this. Brock Lesnar is climbing to the top. I, I, I don't, I, this ain't Brock. Brock doesn't do what the hell is this? What the hell's Lester doing, Cole? Oh my God! Lester went to the shooting star press, and Kurt Angle rolled out of the way. So I'm trying to figure out: was he supposed to hit that for the win? Because you could tell right away Kurt Angle is way too far away right. from the post for him to hit that move. But his head kind of grazed Kurt Angle, and Kurt didn't really move that much. Yeah, and I feel like the announcers kind of played it off like, oh, Angle rolled out of the way. And really, Lesnar, I think, just misjudged the distance. He probably should have just gone up the other side. That's what I didn't get. Like, the entire time he's going up there, I'm like, I, I know what happens. But I'm like, dude, he is three-fourths of the ring dude. away. Like, you have no shot at getting him. I mean, the fact that he could even pull that move is ridiculous. Right. And if, if Kurt had been, you know, four feet to his left... It would have worked, mm-hmm. and it would have been great, and it would have been this WrestleMania moment. But it turned out, and you could tell Brock was messed oh, up from he was that. Screwed up, and Super like he had up. the mat burn on his eye, and he had some blood coming down, and his eyes were glazed. And he sat on the ground instead of celebrating his big win. He right. sat on the ground for like five minutes. And yeah, that was I, to, for him to even get up and like deliver the final F five after that was miraculous. I'm sure it hurt like hell, and even afterwards, you know, Angle goes over to congratulate him and do the sign of respect. But I'm sure it was also there was a conversation of like, I think I broke my GD neck, dude. Yeah, like, I, hold me up here, like seriously, hold me up as we try to sell this. Yeah. What was that moment supposed to be like? I right? wonder. Like, I feel like because Kurt Angle was this, you know, conniving heel, and yeah, he just kind of walked over and broke. And Brock just kind of like stuck his hand out and they shook hands and then that's kind of how it ended. And Angle is is the, not to spoil, but like Angle is the champion going into the next two manias too. He's mm-hmm. WWE champion for 20 and he's world heavyweight champion for 22. So like he has a three-year run here where he is basically headlining WrestleMania. And I love Kurt Angle. I think he's one of my all-time favorites. Um, but even, even back to that shooting star press, like Billy Kidman, he's one of my favorites from WCW too. Like he does what I think is like the best shooting star press. It's, it's a... Insane move to pull off. It really is. And for Brock to be that just far away, you're like, dude, yeah. w- were you ready concussed beforehand? Because if you even went to the other, the opposite corner to pull off this move, it was already going to be tough. Yeah. And like, I don't know the work that went in pre-match of like, all right, we're going to give you an F5. Then you do shooting star press and boom, that's it. Cause he kicks out, obviously, the first F5. So we realize like, oh, I have to really put him away and I'll do something that I've never done before. But it, it unfortunately overshadows a great match, and this is what people remember the it most weird, is, yeah. is the bot shooting star press. It was weird. I mean, it was an amazing show of athleticism. I think people came out of it thinking, my God, like, what is it? This guy can do that. Uh, I will correct you in that 
WrestleMania 20, the next year's WrestleMania, was Brock's final WrestleMania. Oh. And yeah. it was the infamous, and it was a non-title match. Everyone in the crowd knew that Goldberg and Brock were both leaving WWE, and Stone Cold was the special guest referee. Yeah. And so the match just devolved into, like, the crowd crapping all over both guys, and then Stone Cold, I believe, just, like, stunned both guys, yeah. like... And it turned into a hodgepodge, and that's when Brock left for the w, for the uh, Minnesota Vikings yeah. in the summer of 2004 training camp, uh, and then eventually made his way to UFC. And I meant uh, I meant Angle as the uh, champion. Oh, of the I'm next sorry. He's got it. He's WWE champion, heavyweight champion at the next Dominion. Got it. Got it. Got it. But yeah, so, he is. These these two dudes are great. They really are. Um. So let's get to the notes from Michael McGivern here. Unless there's anything else from these matches that you want. No, I, I think we into. we we attacked most of my my notes here. So in early March, Kurt Angle had the MRI on his neck. He was diagnosed with severe neck damage, was having shooting pains down his arms and numbed fingers. No doubt that they were going to drop the WWE title to Lesnar as he was set to have neck surgery and be out a year. Uh, Angle was. It was planned for Angle to lose the belt to Lesnar at March 17th SmackDown taping. However, Angle, still wanting to be a big WrestleMania payday guy, talked to Vince McMahon and let him work the biggest show of the year, drop the belt to Lesnar, and then have surgery. So the irony in all of this is Lesnar ended up hurting his neck in the bot shooting star press. Once the cameras were done rolling, Lesnar was taken out on a stretcher and spent the night in the hospital. Oh, my God. Yikes. The fear was that he broke his neck. He was only diagnosed with a concussion and a sore neck. That's ridiculous. Yeah. After all that, just, I mean, after all that, just, I, I kind of landed similar in my softball injury a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, but that is like how I landed. I landed on my head and my head stopped my fall. Uh, so the fact he just walked away with neck pain and, and a mild concussion is probably pretty remarkable because that dude just biffs it so hard. Uh, in the end, Angle would have an experimental non-invasive surgery that worked, and he was only uh, was only out of action for a couple of months instead of a full year. So they anticipated yeah, him being out for a full year. Hulk Hogan had left the company back in the fall when he refused to work with Brock Lesnar and put him over, which is kind of a classic Hogan thing. Yep. Eventually, he mended fences and got McMahon to agree to a match with him at WrestleMania. Piper was brought in a couple weeks before the show to add to the craziness of the match since neither Hogan or McMahon could have a decent match by themselves. There was a ton of bells and whistles to this one, uh, but it's still, it was entertaining. Yeah, it, it worked out really well. Michaels originally wanted to wrestle Ric Flair at this mania, which happened later. It was shot down because WWE had plans early in the year to form a new four horsemen stable, which turned into um, evolution. Originally, Rhino was going to be part of that. <laughs> That's hilarious. They didn't want Flair to lose at the show just as they were starting the act this would eventually become Evolution, and they were smart enough to include Randy Orton instead of Rhino. Unfortunately, uh, just as they were starting the group, Orton and Batista both got injured, and so that stable actually would have been like a three-year stable, but it got shortened. So the Undertaker match was a mess from day one. It was a tag match in the first place because Taker was set for elbow surgery a week after Mania, and Big Show was having lower back issues, so they needed these other guys to just help bolster the thing. Um, what else here? This was John Cena's WrestleMania debut, doing a rap promo on the pre-show. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, here's a great note from the February 3rd Wrestling Observer. Dan Brian Danielson was told last week that they would bring him in more regularly for TV jobs and dark matches, but they wanted him to get a haircut and a tan. He became a huge star 10 years later. Right. The Miller Lite Catfight Girls changed millions of young heterosexual males' lives. <laughs> As a high school sophomore at the time... I was all in on that oh ad campaign, Michael writes. <laughs> uh, they also mentioned they were shooting WrestleMania the movie, a film. It was an idea by McMahon that was expected to air on TNN or UPN later in the year. After documentaries like Beyond the Mat and Wrestling with Shadows, as well as all the negative press, 
during the Attitude Era and XFL, McMahon wanted his own film, Propaganda, yeah. to portray him and his company more positively, but it never aired. <laughs> I would love to see what they did shoot and what they did put together. I'd pay I good money to see it. Amazing. I would love it. So uh, for you, what's the match that stole the show here, the non-main event match? Let's take away also the Rock Austin. Uh, it, yeah, HBK and Jericho was the one that I absolutely loved, man. I, okay. You had two great workers here, Shawn Michaels uh, coming back for his first WrestleMania and then going on a great run for his second second wind of his career. And then uh, and Jericho, too. Even, uh, even that stupid goatee and the red-dipped ponytail, probably like my least favorite look of Jericho, but... Um, but it worked really well, and he play yeah. and he plays a heel just as good as anyone. I mean, we talked about Angle playing a good conniving heel. Jericho is too. Um, and yeah, so I, I would just say the way HBK and Jericho played that out, you you have a lot of good Shawn Michaels moments coming up in these next few WrestleManias yeah. that yeah. I'm excited to get into. Shawn Michaels was ridiculous during this resurgence for yeah. his career. You, I mean, you get like Ric Flair. Taker, a couple Taker matches. The John Cena main event in the, a couple years. The Kurt Angle one here in a couple weeks. Angle yeah. and Michaels, I think, is probably one of the best matches of all time. Mr. WrestleMania. All right, definitive mania. Oh, for me, the match that stole the show was the street fight. McMahon nice. versus Hulk yeah. Hogan. Right, it was just entertaining. Yeah, it was. Definitive mania rankings here. Right now, the number one mania that we have reviewed is WrestleMania 18. WrestleMania 17 is number two, tied with WrestleMania 14. WrestleMania 10, 13, and 15 round out. And also a tie there with 15 is WrestleMania 6. It's a lot of new school attitude era WrestleMania sure. in here. Uh, out of 1 through 10 rating, what do you give this one? I give this an 8. I give it an 8 out of 10. Um, I don't think I don't think there's anything that's like uh, over the top and like, oh my God, you have you had to see this match or see this moment. That being said, I, I don't think there's anything to do that like holds it back. Like if anything you really want to pick apart, it's probably the Undertaker match, but that still doesn't like hold back the card. It doesn't hold back what Taker did. doesn't hold back what everyone else did. I think it's a solid, solid eight. That it, it was an entertaining match. You didn't have nest, you didn't have any unnecessary throwaway ones. I think it was a very, very solid WrestleMania. So I actually give it a nine. Okay, I'm just like drinking the Kool Aid on this one, and yep. I give it a nine because of the last five matches. It started kind of slow mm-hmm. for me, but even when it starts slow, it's like I got to see Rey Mysterio and yeah, Undertaker and it just like these great characters, and even like Trish Stratus defeating Victoria and Jazz. This is peak Trish Stratus era. So, yep. um, but I, I would say. That the fact that you had in these last five matches, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, two of the greatest of all time, Triple H among the greatest of all time, with Ric Flair, greatest of all time, Booker T. Booker T's like the dud name in here, and he's I one know. of the greatest of all time. Uh, Hulk Hogan, Ugh. one of the greatest of all time. The Rock, Stone Cold, Icons, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle. Like, just how often are you going to get five matches, boom, 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 with these guys in it? Never. And you get old versus new yeah. and all this stuff. So I give it a nine, which brings it to an eight point five, tied for the best WrestleMania that we have reviewed. WrestleMania eighteen, and we're only gonna, I think, top these next two. These next two are probably my favorite WrestleManias, oh, and I have never seen that. I know, oh I can't wait, God. dude. I can't wait. Five connects. A third F five connects. If Brock could top, if he's got the energy to top him, here's the top. One, two, we have a new champion. 